Hey everybody, it is a special edition of the Running Rogue podcast. This time Steve and I are coming at you with a guest soon to be introduced to preview the Berlin Marathon coming up this weekend, this Sunday. So we're hoping that you'll get a chance to listen to this preview episode with all of our predictions on who might be on the top of the podium this coming weekend. The fields are interesting this year steve maybe not quite as stacked and as deep as they have been in the past but there's some clear favorites we believe that we'll be talking about and breaking all of that down with our predictions before we jump into a little bit of an overview on berlin we have to introduce our special guest commentator of sorts who's going to be participating in our prediction contest this time we're welcoming johanna gretzel to the show johanna hey thanks for having me she also goes by jojo so we've got a female voice to add to the mix, which we're super excited about. She is... She's going to make us look sound stupid. Probably. <laughs> she is a... That's the goal. <laughs> Tulane graduate, a Saints fan, unfortunately, and <laughs> <laughs> studied and ran hey. studied and ran uh, cross, at least cross. Did you also do run track at Tulane? Yes, both. Cross and track at Tulane. Came to Austin to work for Flow Track and Flow Sports over the last four years and is now a freelance journalist in the sports and running space. So she knows her shit basically <laughs> because she's been a flow track expert for at least the last four years and is deeply embedded in the running community. And you should follow her on Twitter because she is a funny follow and also has just recently learned how to make gifts. <laughs> That's so, true. so her gif game is strong. What's your Twitter Twitter <laughs> Twitter handle, Jojo? At Jojo underscore Shay. Shay is S H E A. So <laughs> Twitter, Instagram, Jojo underscore Shay. Is that your middle name? It is. Nice. It's easier to spell than Gretchel. So Okay, perfect. Well, welcome Jojo. We're happy to have you because we think you'll know more than us, and so that's exciting. But we're gonna be breaking down Berlin for those that will be tuning in. It's coming up this Sunday. And for those of us in the U.S., it is way the hell early on Sunday morning, the 16th. The NBC Sports Gold coverage, for those who have gotten behind the paywall, starts at 2.30 a.m. The actual NBC Sports coverage on cable starts at 3 a.m. Those are both Eastern times. So 2.30 a.m. or 3 a.m., for those on the East Coast, for those in Austin and the center part of the U.S., those times will be 1.30 a.m. and 2 a.m. So it's going to be basically the middle of the night. And all of our European listeners, you guys get to actually watch this more in real time on whatever coverage you can find. But we're excited to be tuning in to see how things will go off. I wanted, before we jump into the fields, give a little bit of a background on Berlin just a little history for the listeners to get some context. Berlin is now in its 45th edition this year. It's the third oldest marathon major, started in 1974. It's the third oldest behind Boston, which is the oldest by far. And then New York, which started in 1970. And Berlin came four years later in 1974. <coughs> Last year, they had the most finishers ever, 39,101. And this year, they're on track to top that as well as they've expanded the field size a little bit for this 45th edition. 
interestingly, on the men's side, the last seven years, Berlin has the fastest men's marathon in any year in the last seven years, 2011 to 2017. Berlin has produced the fastest men's marathon in the world each of those years. The world record, of course, from 2014 is from Berlin, 202.57 by Dennis Cometto back in 2014. And the women's record hasn't quite been that close to the world record. It's 219.12 set by Mizuki Noguchi, who did that actually a while ago now. And so it's kind of interesting looking at the fields, how the the men and women, there's a little bit of a disparity. Berlin has clearly prioritized unfairly bringing all the fast men and not necessarily focused so much on the fast women. I think that's maybe changing a little bit starting this year, which we'll talk about. Interesting, interestingly, from a field size standpoint, the finishers last year were 72% male, 28% female, which also s- sort of might be telling because if you look at New York and Boston, they're in the 58 to 55% male versus male range um and so come on berlin we like to see more women in the field both at the front and throughout so that's you know one sort of thing we can throw out there but and these fields it's always a fast course we know that the weather is always a big question that we're going to be talking about especially as it relates to the men's field but i want to start throwing this to you steve this first question and then Jojo, you can kind of follow up with your thoughts. It seems, looking at this field as I break it down, that there is a clear favorite on both sides. The men's side, of course, the great Elliot Kipchoge, who is, I think, won his, he's won 10 marathons in a row coming into this race. And on the women's side, Jarnish Dababa, who we've talked about before in our GOAT episode as p- perhaps the greatest female distance runner of all time, seems to have a clear advantage as well. So is this just a race for second and third, Steve? On the men's side, yes. I don't think there's any doubt, at least in my mind. I do think there'll be some random Ethiopian who will show up and pull an Adola or show up out of the middle of the blue. Probably somebody who ran in Dubai earlier this year. (laughs) But I don't think that anyone can really touch Kipchoge at this point. Last year, if we remember, he had a much better field assembled to race against. He was coming off his sub, his breaking two effort. We wondered whether or not he would be able to respond from that. He didn't look that great. He hasn't really looked that great the last two races, even though he's dispatched his competition with relative ease. Um, and London, he just, when he decided to go, he was gone with the two little tag-along Ethiopians that tried to roll with him. Um, I just don't think anybody can run with Kipchoge, and I think it's... Designed to be a Kipchoge showcase. The question is, can Kipsang stay with him long enough to give him some help on a record break? We'll talk about that in a little bit, I'm sure. On the uh, women's side, I think it's much less clear cut that there's a clear favorite. I mean, I do think the Babyface Destroyer is the clear favorite in my mind. But I think people could make compelling arguments for both Chirono and for Kip Legat on both sides. Both of them, though they're a little older. Uh, so, I mean... Dababa's older, too, but they're much older marathoners at this point with many more marathons under their belt, and that means more miles, long miles under their on their legs. So, yeah, I think 
I think Dababa is the clear favorite, so I think your argument is good, but I think it's a lot less clear on the women's side, and I think she'll have competition for a good bit. And I think both those two athletes who are renowned for being ferocious competitors, they're not roll over and die ladies. They, they show up every time they get on a starting line. They never fail to compete. I think she's got a much bigger... A big, a much bigger hole to dig herself out of, as opposed to Kipchoge, who it's pretty much going to be the Kipchoge show from start to finish. That's my view. What do you think, Jojo? Um, yeah, I mean, I think on paper, uh, Dababa and Kipchoge definitely should demolish this field. Uh, but that's also sort of the beauty of the marathon is that nothing ever goes entirely according to plan. Um, you, you kind of mentioned briefly Adola last year. And last year, Kipchoge was kind of supposed to steamroll the field as well. And Adola, you know, really took it to him and even took the lead with like 5K to go and really looked like he might actually steal the win and put up a good fight. And so part of me when I was kind of preparing for this, looking over the field, um, yeah, no one jumps out at me as really being able to challenge him. But no one was talking about Adola last year as being able to challenge him. And he didn't ultimately win. um, But on a different day, I think he showed that he had the potential and maybe he could have um on the women's side i yeah i think dababa is also the favorite not as much of a favorite as kipchoge is uh also when you look at her history this year um you know she's only finished one race she dropped out of london which is not a good sign uh when you're trying to come back to do another marathon i think uh i mean that's Wilson Kip saying, you know, he's going to race and is probably the top competitor to go against Kipchoge. But, you know, he dropped out of this race last year. And so uh, I think when a marathoner goes back to that race that they had a bad experience at, it's hard to overcome that sometimes. Um, And but I mean, of course, she is one of the greatest runners in world history. Uh, So I'm sure that (laughs) she's been working on her mental game. Uh, But it's interesting to consider, uh, you know, if these other women are on their A game, there's a weakness there. Well, these other two women that we're talking about are people who we would have to consider in the top five in the history of the marathon for women. I mean, they are definitely top five all time. I mean, Kiplagat arguably may have a better marathon resume than even... Dababa does, but Dababa's the best. She does have a better running re- marathon resume, and Toronto probably has a better money marathon running resume. But Dababa has is the best female distance runner in the world today. Period, and could be. Chris and I argue she's the best of all time at this point. So yeah. I don't know. You know, it's it's D- hard to D- say. Dababa has the significantly faster PR. That's to me the potential trump card for her in a race like Berlin. But we'll save the women's debate for the second part of our show. We'll start with the men. Listen, look at us getting ahead of her. <laughs> we'll start with the men. Ahead of him. I appreciate the commentary, but we'll start with the men and the great one, Kipchoge. But before we dive into breaking down the field, Jojo, I want to ask this question of you because you've seen sort of the underbelly of the sport, both from an athlete standpoint, but also from a shoe vendor standpoint. And as I think about Berlin competing against Chicago for some of these top marathoners. You've got Kipchoge obviously racing Berlin. He's a Nike athlete. Berlin is an Adidas marathon. And and then Chicago, on the other hand, has Galen Rupp, uh, Mo Farah, Joffrey Krui, perhaps the deeper top of the field, all Nike athletes, and, and Chicago happens to be a Nike race. And so I do wonder if there's some gamesmanship happening here between Nike and Adidas, or at least on Nike's part. 
in terms of where they've asked their key players to compete because they know Kipchoge can win by himself, perhaps get a world record at Berlin. But my question in all of this is, had, did they influence Farah to maybe go race Rupp and against Karui in Chicago to deepen that field as a part of this game of who's racing these two fast fall marathons? Do you think any of that is in play or it's just sort of the whim of the athlete in terms of where they ended up? Uh, I, would ha- I, I think there would have to be some kind of backroom shoe company politics behind this stuff. And, I mean, the one guy who maybe has a good shot to challenge Kipchoge Kipsang, I mean, he's an Adidas guy, right? Yep. Uh, so, I mean, that's understandable that, you know, they want to get their top guy back to Berlin every year. Um, as far as mm, Nike wanting Mo Farah to go to Chicago, um I mean, I do think there's a reason why there's not that many Americans in Berlin, and it's because uh, I would assume the Americans get better appearance fees to go to New York and Chicago, and that that helps draw maybe some of the crowds and meet and greets, people excited to go see the athletes. Um, And I think that's why a lot of the top-tier names are going to be at the U.S. meets. But uh, as far as Mo Farah, uh, I mean... I know that's an interesting question. Uh, <laughs> you got to think there's some Nike politics pushing him against the Rupp because it's Rupp versus Farah. They have that history together. Yeah. The storylines write themselves, right? And then. Especially because Salazar is not coaching him anymore. <laughs> yeah, it, becomes, right? yeah, it becomes more of a rivalry. So, anyway, just my conspiracy theory hat getting thrown on there as to how this ended up with such a lopsided men's race in Berlin. That to me is ultimately the question. Like, how is it that we have Kipchoge and basically nobody else? I mean, Wilson Kipsang, who is a former world record holder, is certainly not anybody to dismiss. But if you look at his last four marathons, he's DNF'd half of them. And one of them, he ran 219 (laughs) in Japan a month after Tokyo where he dropped out. He has one decent race in New York where he finished second, but he only ran 210 behind Jeffrey Kumroer. So his resume in the last 12 months doesn't look that great. And beyond that, it's basically none of the guys are even close to Kipchoge. And so you have this very uncharacteristically lopsided men's field for Berlin. So part of me was just trying to sort through what happened there. I mean, maybe they spent all the appearance fee money on Kipchoge. <laughs> And, and paying his pacers. Over. Yeah. I think that's a great point, but Berlin has way deeper pockets than that. This is about yeah. money, but I think it's about money that's being, the way Chris is talking about it, it's money that's happening under the table. It's the push that Nike gives to match appearance fees or to do other things to allow a Chicago to get. I mean, Chicago beating out Berlin in terms of the best field, and then once we see Chicago's field, so amazing. Now it looks like New York might actually be an even better field than Chicago. That's not normal. Like those were the two races that were falling off the face of the planet in this world marathon majors. They were not being competitive. Number one, they decided not to do pacers, which put them in a really bad spot. Number two, they couldn't get the big name performers. And for many years, five, six years, they were just getting one good name performer. I think that Nike or whoever else is pushing. I mean, New Balance is the sponsor of New York, isn't it, this year? Yes. So... New, a New Balance doesn't have that deep of pockets, but I don't know. I, I just think there's this big push to push the American races that something else is going on here that's a bigger play than we're seeing it play out 
above the board. And I th- <laughs> so I do think, Chris, I'm not sure it's a conspiracy as much as it's maybe a rebalancing um, and bringing back that quality. You know, Bur- Boston has always remained um, in everyone's mind a clear leader in the U.S. But, I mean, this year, I think with Chicago and New York, it's it's mind-boggling how good those two fields are and the yeah. lot, the kind of competitions we're going to be seeing. And it could be that they're just investing in better pacers this year. You know, the last couple of years, the pacers at Berlin have made some early mistakes. They've gone out too fast. And they have very good pacers this year. And so, yeah, so yes. they've got very good pacers. I think one who's a training partner of Kipchoge, who's talking about in a recent interview that Kipchoge's targeting 202.40. So maybe they that's where they spent their money versus deepening the field. Plus, you also perhaps look at it and say, well, who in the men's marathon game can break the world record right now? There's only one man. There's only one man. Bekele's out of the game, essentially. Kip saying is not what he used to be. There isn't that heir apparent next. And so maybe they just said, hey, we want the world record again here, and we're going to pay for it in the form of Pacers and giving Kipchoge the money he needs. And that's Berlin's MO, right? I mean, that's what they're known for. I think they've. I think I read somewhere, six of the fast ten fastest times ever run in history have been done on that course. The world record has been held on that course for the last five or six years. Yes. Um, it, and so if you're going to put all your eggs in one basket, that's a pretty fucking good basket to put your eggs so in. So let's talk about Kipchoge then, and, and as we transition into the men's discussion, first of all, I'm going to call bullshit on your comment that he <laughs> Kipchoge hasn't had a great last two marathons. I mean, he ran 204.16 in London in 70-degree weather. <laughs> he ran 203.32 last year to win Berlin in rains and winds in less than ideal conditions. And, and you know, he put away some challengers, at least late in the race, that were, that were perhaps making us question his dominance. And so I find it ridiculous to say that he didn't have a great last couple of marathons. And he has won 10 in a row since his second place in Berlin against Kip Sang, by the way, back in 2013 where he debuted at the marathon. So talk about Kipchoge. Back up your point, Steve, that he hasn't had a great... So do you really think there are chinks in the armor? JoJo made the argument for me. (laughs) (laughs) Two dudes we never heard of and we'll never hear of again. Dopers, obviously, right? (laughs) Two dudes had him on the fucking ropes, dude. And I don't think it was rope-a-dope. I don't think this was Ali. This is not Muhammad Ali getting banged around. Dude, he looked in trouble, especially at Berlin last year. And, And I thought he looked worse at, sh- at, at London early, but what he did late at London and when he did take control of London over the last 10K, it, it, was, it was Kipchoge of old and it was, uh, to me, I was like, okay, I'll just shut up. But I do think for a while, but I'm not shutting up that he didn't look good. Those were his two least, his two least dominant performances, in my opinion. And um, the first, I do think the argument of why he looked so shabby at... At Berlin last year was because he was still hammered from what I think was the most amazing perf- perform- human performance of running in the history of the world. I just think he, it, by itself, it puts him in, among the greats of the greatest of all time. I mean, I still think that that attack was amazing and the way it played out was amazing and he was still pretty tired from it. So I, I do know what you're saying. I, I do think that that I'm just saying we have a high, high expectation of this guy. He had two guys take him to the, to the well, two guys that were obviously hired guns planned to put him into place and he did dispatch them eventually. 
<laughs> but Idola had him on the ropes, did he not? I mean, it was it looked scary. We effortly. all were concerned. He looked like he was done. I mean, I remember Idola wasn't even running like the right tangent. He was like running off to the side, like so. If he was a little bit smarter about the course, you know, maybe. We'd be talking. We wouldn't be talking about Kipchoge like he's won ten straight marathons. Or whatever. <laughs> but it's also like you guys. It to me it reminds me of that person who's like, I was on pace to qualify for Boston until mile twenty one. Like, who the fuck cares? Like, you don't get to say that. You don't get to say you had Kipchoge on the ropes for twenty one miles or twenty three miles or whatever. Shit, I would. You I'd be saying that. To say that. Like, <laughs> I'd be you, saying it. Like, what's your consolation prize? Nothing. I, I mean, just, I just think the whole breaking two attempt made him seem sort of like more than human because no one had ever seen anything like that before and neither of the other two guys could hang with him at all. And then when he gets back into an actual race scenario, there are guys who can hang with him and challenge him. And so it shows he is human and on the right day, it's not all going to go well for him. <laughs> Fair enough. Now, let's talk about the right day because the weather is always a factor in these things, as we know with marathons. If you look at the forecast right now for Berlin, it's showing 51 in the morning, about race start time. It does warm up into the mid-70s later in the day with a 5 to 10 mile an hour potential uh, breeze in the air. And so the question, as you look at the forecast, kind of becomes how quickly does it warm up? It's looking like according to the hourly forecast right now, that it'll be still in the 50s by the time he finishes, which is pretty optimal marathon conditions, assuming it's overcast and not too windy. And so then the question is the question just, Steve, as it relates to getting the world record for Kipchoge and maybe even winning, is it just Kipchoge versus the weather? Or Kipcho is there something else? Kipchoge doesn't need the weather. I mean, he <laughs> did, you know, I, I think he ran, what he did at London this year, um, I mean, just, he ran really, really, really fucking fast in that weather. It was terrible weather. It was in terrible conditions. I think he's going to... I think I think that this world record attempt is on. I don't think the wind is going to be an issue. I think he's going to have pacers to go with him for a very long time. Um, I'm interested in this Kip Sang game. What is going on with Kip Sang? The, the double. He's twice dropped out now. He's a DNF. I, I'm not giving to Baba the DNF yet. She needs another one to give her any shit for it. But Kip Sang now is in, in I don't know if you can count on him, land because he's DNF'd too many times and DNF'd really in stupid ways that you, that you, that are just not. Before 10K at Tokyo, he was That out. was terrible. That was yeah. the worst. That was really bad. Anyway, so I don't know. I mean, I think, I don't think there's a big question about the weather in this race. I think it's going to be optimal. I don't think Kipchoge needs... I don't think he want he won't won't break the record if it's seventy five degrees. Um, we saw because London he was definitely on plan. Now London also was so fucked up because they went out so fast that first five k was so poorly paced. I think the re world record is definitely up for grabs at this race, and I think there's going to be a wholesale, full fledged attack on that record, no matter what Kipchoge says, which. By the way, what's up with this statement of him saying, "I just want to get my PB. Yeah. I want to get my PR." <laughs> um, it's eight seconds slower. Eight seconds slower than the world record. Like, why not say world record? Yeah, right. Like, that was the first thing I read when I saw it. I was like, why not say that? But I think that's it is Yoda interesting. That games. is Yoda. I that is definitely Yoda think so. My games. So, Jojo, is if you, as you look at your predictions, two questions: Does Kipchoge win, and does he set the world record? I think he wins. Uh, I mean, at this point, you can't pick against him because uh, he hasn't messed up yet. Does he break the world record? 
I would say no, because just because everything has to be right on the day and more often than not, it's not going to get broken. So I'm going to be a doubter. Uh, it would be cool if it happens, but I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't break his PR either. I mean, like you're saying, it's, it's not that far <laughs> from the record. So <laughs> why not just say that's what you're going for? I mean, I am curious about Kip saying because, right, he kind of does have a reputation now for DM- DNFing. Uh, and, you know, he's doing interviews right now, too, where he's saying he is the one who's going to break the world record. I mean, that's what he <laughs> says before every race. Um, but, I mean, if he can stay in it, uh, I we'll, mean, maybe we'll maybe, maybe that is kind of the X factor that's going to be needed to take it down. We'll get to Kip saying in a second. Steve. Kipchoge, does he win and does he set the world record? Yes and yes. He wins and he sets the world record. And I think he runs 240 Let's just let's just keep the twos rolling. <laughs> 20242. That's wow. my pick. Time prediction too. Why not? What the hell? Impressive. It won't be it won't be a huge break of the world record. I think that world record is um it will continue to be broken in little chunks for a while. So I agree with you guys that it'll, that Kipchoge will win. I, I think it's almost silly to even have the debate at this stage, you know, maybe a year from now we'll be, we'll have seen some chinks in the armor, but I don't think there have been any, if you look back at his history, at least in paced races, he's never run slower than two Oh five. And the, and he did that twice, and that came in two of his first three marathons. Since then, he's never run slower than 204, basically low. And so, and no one in this field can hang with that. Now, as it relates to the world record, I'm going to side with JoJo and say he doesn't break it. I think the biggest question for him is going to be the pace setting and whether or not he has somebody challenging him at the end. If you look at all the recent world records, when Kometo did it, when Kip Singh did it, when Macau did it, the those races were paced, and then they also came down to neck and neck with somebody else who was at least in play over the final 5K to help push that final bit. And I don't think he's going to have that. And if he doesn't have that, it's hard to maintain on your own. Now, it is Kipchoge. It's, it's so just Kipchoge. I wouldn't put so, it past him, well, but I'm just saying. Too bad you're predicting the <laughs> other way around. So now you're like talking out of two sides of your mouth. But anyway. <laughs> nice. So I'm going to say no world record, but he'll be in the 203 low. I think he'll be 203. I'm going to say 15 to 20 will be my guess. But I think he wins going away, maybe even by as much as a minute and a half to two minutes. So let's talk about Kip, Chang, Kip Sang now, JoJo, since you brought him up. If you look at 2017, it's kind of interesting because he won Tokyo in early 2017 in a fast time. He DNF'd at Berlin, as we know, after talking a big game about challenging for the world record there against Bekele and Kipchoge. And then he came back at New York and got second. Granted, in a non-paced race, he ran 210 behind Jeffrey Kamroer. And so if you look at his 2017 by itself, two of the three races he raced, all majors, he got first or second. Tokyo and New York, both legitimate fields. And so on paper, that looks pretty good. Now you add another six months to the timeline. He goes back to Tokyo, DNFs, and then a month month later runs another race to Japan where he ran a 219. 
Now, what's going on with that? I don't know. Was he getting a payday and he was still in Japan? So he's like, hey, they're showing me to sh- they're paying me to show up. I'll run 219 and, and jog it. Or is that a real result from him? I don't know. What's going on with Kip Singh? What can we expect from this one? As you said, Jojo, he's talking a big game going into this as well, just like he did before Tokyo where he dropped out before 10K. And so what are we getting? Are we getting somebody who can challenge him? Or are we getting challenge the great Kipchoge? Or are we getting somebody who's talking a big game who at this point is a former world record holder who's just trying to play the appearance fee game? What do you think? Well, First of all, I also would like to mention to our listeners that another similar former world record holder turned uh, DNFer Patrick <laughs> McCow announced his retirement today, which is interesting. Yep. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't trust anything that runners say before races <laughs> and especially before big marathons because, I mean... I, I look at Boston. Uh, you know, Jordan Hesse had a broken foot and she showed up to the press conference and told everyone she was fine and ready to go and then pulled out the night before. Did she have a broken foot? She Have we seen the have we seen the MRI results? <laughs> <laughs> I heard rumblings around the hotel that day that it was a it was a broken foot. Didn't you interview Jordan after that? Uh, I did interview her, yeah. Okay. A few months later when she was ready to talk. Yeah. Um I mean, she she basically thought she was okay, and, you know, when you're an elite athlete, you can push through pain, right? We're endurance athletes. That's what, that's what you're training to do, and uh, she kind of just got used to the feeling and pushed through it and didn't think it was anything more harmful than a normal ache and pain, uh, and then when the MRI came back, uh, if she kept running, she would have to have surgery, and... It probably would have broken if she did the race. But why were they waiting so late? I mean, I guess it could have broken in the week prior. But anyway, they're just, I'm a coach. I know how you plan yeah. cycles mm-hmm. and where cycles sit and where these kinds of issues happen. They very rarely happen, almost never happen um, right at the end. They are all usually, and and they have imaging resources at Nike on a, everywhere. Why did it happen at a ho- at a hospital in Boston and not I I don't know there's just yeah there, it's, it's just conspiracy theorist in me just is like <laughs> I don't know and I hate to throw conspiracy circles around Jordan because I think she's um she's going to be considered one of the greats and but I don't think Jordan makes decisions here I think other people make decisions and uh, I don't know. I, I it doesn't digress. really matter. We're not talking. Why we, we digress? We yeah. digress. I'll shut up. And <laughs> we we'll digress. Step back. But we will link to JoJo's interview. <laughs> with Jordan Hesse because I do think it was a good one. That's on Runner's World, right? Um, was it post- where was it posted? I, there's one on Competitor and one on Flow Track. Okay, cool. Well, we will link to those so you can check out more of JoJo's work. But it, if you had to make a prediction for Kip saying, what would you say? DNF or does he finish somewhere near the top? I hate to be the pessimist, but part of me wants to say DNF. Uh, I mean, for like a real prediction... I, I kind of think he's going to yeah. DNF. DNF, all right. Steve, what do, what, get, do get, what do you did, got for did, has, has Berlin even put out a full race list? I didn't well, even, I couldn't find look, one anywhere. I, well, you have to look in their media guide, which uh, I found. And, okay. But it's not that deep. It doesn't look like any of the debutantes are on that list, uh, The those that might you know be sort of the unknowns coming in. And so... It wasn't very helpful. Yeah. So I I think that I think Kip saying 
I think that he's um, the consummate uh, touring musician. I think he's got a good he's 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 got a good uh, electric guitar solo, and um, <laughs> people like his style. <laughs> and so he shows up, and if he doesn't get through the entire solo, then the crowds are going to walk away. Um, and that happened to him at Berlin last year. And then he came back and, and nailed it at, at New York and got it done. And then he screws up, maybe gets a little drunk, can't hit his, can't hit his, can't hit his lines right for uh, Tokyo. And then whatever that other race was was just a payday. I think. I think he shows up. I think he comes president correct. I think he gets his ass whipped by over two minutes. But I think he gets second place. So I think he, I think so he still gets it done. So you're predicting Kip in the race. Yeah, because there's nobody else I can actually see that can even. I mean, I think this. I think that Kip Sang can run a 208 in his fucking sleep. I think he's so talented. He's one of the most beautiful runners I've ever watched run. When he, run, he's just. I think that this guy is a guy who's one of the best in the world. And he, as I said, he's a, he's an incredibly good touring musician who can play it. Who can who can play it. And you, nobody can play with him the way he plays. But you have to finish to run 208. I understand. I think he wants to be get another payday. If he DNFs again, his paydays are going to move from the big majors to the Honolulu Marathon. <laughs> or he's going to have to go to, um, I don't know, you know, I don't know, Flying Pig in Cincinnati or something. You know, that <laughs> right. he's not going to get, or a Frankfurt Marathon. And I don't know, he's not going to get the paydays that he's looking for. And I think he's and still in the prime of his money-making career. This guy's obviously pays attention to where the dollars are. Um, even if his agent is the dumbest agent in the world, um, as we found out last year in Berlin when right. he dropped out and he said the stupidest shit anybody's ever said. But... I just think that he needs this really bad. He needs this, and this is the way he feeds his family, and this is the way he pays for whatever extravagant lifestyle he lives in Kenya. So I think he's going to show up because I think he's a businessman and that this is about business. And it's probably why he's talking smack, and I think that there's not enough people in the race or nobody I can see. I mean, I would probably predict an unknown Ethiopian for second place, but that's weak sauce, so I'll say... I'll save that for third place. <laughs> so how long do you think he hangs with Kipchoge then? I think he hangs with the Pacers um, as long as he can, and then he does damage control and looks around and, and buffers for seconds. So I think he stays with them 30K, 18.6, 19 miles. Uh, it depends on when. It depends on when. Because I think he can do that. And then I think he can back off and still run 20 six mid 207 and i think that's what it'll, that's all it'll take to get second so then he comes out just like he does at new york in a well-fought race the only guy who actually goes after one of the best in the world and gets beat you know um i think that and that's a great play for him i mean that's that's scripting a beautiful script for him um he's not breaking any world record and he's certainly not beating kipchoge so i had the same same thoughts about dennis cometo in that at some point he's got to finish a race in order to keep the paydays coming. <laughs> I literally almost <laughs> forgot about that guy. Yeah. <laughs> and he's the world, world record, record holder. World record holder, 2014. <laughs> but he literally hasn't finished a marathon in I don't know how many years because he keeps getting paydays and showing up at the start line. And at some point you cross over to that. and He's I'm, in danger. I'm, in, I'm with JoJo on this. I'm going to go DNF for Kip Sang. Now, if you look at the rest of the men's field, it's not that deep. You've got Zerzane Tadisi, who actually was in the the Breaking 2 <laughs> exhibition. His marathon PR was in Monza, which I'd totally forgotten about. He ran a 206.51 there, but his open marathon PR is in the 210s. He is the half marathon world record holder, but it's been a while. 
and I don't think he's real competition for the podium. You've got Elliot Kiptanui, who has run 205.21 with the third fastest PR in the roster, but he did that in 2015. He ran 208 at Paris earlier this year, so he doesn't have a recent result that gets me excited personally. You've got Amos Kipruto, who ran 206 earlier this year in Tokyo, which is a decent result. Also has a 205.43 PR from 2017. So I think he's somebody who could be in the mix for second and third. And then you've got a Barakuma from Ethiopia, who's got a 205.50 PR from Rotterdam this year, who seems to be on a downward trajectory with his marathon times. And so if there were a couple of athletes to look out for for the podium, it would be those final two that I mentioned, Amos Capruto and a Barakuma outside of a Kip saying who happens to stay in the race. I'll throw it to you, Jojo. As you finish out your second and third, you've got Kip saying DNFing, Elliot Kipchoge winning. Who do you think will get second and third? No, well, when you put it a bit like that, now I kind of want to take back the DNF <laughs> for Kip saying because it, it's uh, a little hard to choose with go. these guys. Um, here we go. <laughs> Already walking it back. That's okay. You don't, uh, resu- you're going to be you're going to be judged on your results, not on not on what you're stumbling on right now, right? <laughs> uh, I, I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna stick with my guns. Kip saying DNF. Uh, you know, I think of the names that you just mentioned. Uh, Amos, I mean, these are all kind of like top 10, top five consistent guys at major marathons. um, And they're a little bit hard to compare to each other. Uh, As far as trajectory goes, uh, I mean, Amos Kipruto getting third in Tokyo um, is a pretty good result compared to the other guys. And so I would take him for top three. So I guess I'll pick him for second. I'm not super enthused about this pick, but... uh, there we go. Uh, and then uh, I'm going to pick Elliot Kiptanui for third just because he has placed in the top five a lot. I mean, he was second in Berlin in 2015, so he has done well in this course before. All right, so Kipchoge, Kipruto, Kiptanui for you. That's a Kenyan sweep on her predictions. What do you have, Steve? I got Kipchoge, Kipsang, an unknown Ethiopian at this <laughs> point who was going to get third, whoever it is. And that means I... That seems I like a cop-out. Okay. <laughs> okay, I'll take it as a cop-out, but I have, I'm have i less enthused about the other options than that. There's actually only one Ethiopian in the men's elite field. And that's the... No, wait, no, no, there's two. There's two. Name them. Abera Kuma and... Kuma, I mentioned, he finished 205 Ch- at Rotterdam. Chalachu Tarunish. Mm. Yeah. No, a nobody. Two eleven guy. Nobody mm. did get excited about. I do wonder if there's going right. to be a late add to the field that we'll recognize. Yeah, I think there probably will. I think there could be. Zadola was added. I mean, this is stu- in the last week. Ethiopia last year. is stupid. The the freaking machine that Ethiopian athletics is is going to rectify the situation in the last minute. So there you go. You just made my argument for me. I will choose at some future date guaranteed <laughs> to Chris prior to the gun going off, which Ethiopian will be picked in that third position so that it's fair and reasonable. So, so but I do I'm going to wait until the until we see what shows up well, on the starting line. I, I appreciate Jojo calling you out and and calling it a cop out, but I had the same cop out, so <laughs> I can't really talk. I've got I've got Kipchoge for the win. I'm actually going with an Ethiopian for second, Abarakuma 
I liked his Rotterdam result. He seems to be on the the downward trajectory. I also think your choice of Caprito isn't a bad pick, but I've got Kuma for second and unknown Ethiopian <laughs> for third. That was literally what I wrote as well. Because I honestly think we're going to get some late additions. These, you know, Dola was a debutante last year. I don't even think he was in the elite field list uh, a week no, out. No, he showed up like, remember that? They, they brought him in. It was very late in the game. Like on he a didn't Thursday. Even know, he didn't even know he was racing the marathon. <laughs> no, he, he, to he got told on like Tuesday, so, Monday or Tuesday or something. And I think that plays to the advantage of some really talented person who can just kind of show up in ignorance and, you know, hang on with Kipchoge as long as possible. So I'm also going to cop out and say unknown <laughs> Ethiopian debutante marathoner in third. But if you want, JoJo, we will happily pick somebody before the gun goes off on Sunday. Saturday morning, 2.30 a.m. <laughs> okay. You have 20, 24 hours out. <laughs> nice. Perfect. So so there you go. That's the men's field. And as we said, the biggest question probably is, will Kipchoge break the world record? As it relates to this panel, we've got two no's and a yes. So we'll see who is right there. Let's talk about the women's field. And we kind of already teed it up with the idea that Dababa is a favorite, but maybe not as clear a favorite as Kipchoge. I'll take this question to you, Jojo. Who do you think the key challengers are to Dababa in this race? Uh, there's, it's definitely a much more competitive field than the men's race, uh, as you said. Uh, I mean, Gladys Chirono returning as uh, not only the defending champion, but a two-time champion in Berlin. She won in 2015. Uh, she has her PR was set at that race, uh, 219. So she's, I, I think anytime you're a sub 220 woman, uh, you have a really good chance to win one of these races. Um, I also think Edna Kiplagat, uh, you know, maybe the, I mean, at 38, she is getting a little bit older, but, uh, you know, still was one of the few Africans not to drop out of Boston earlier this year. Took eighth there in really tough conditions, beating a lot of the elite Americans. Uh, I mean, last year had one of the best seasons ever. Um, winning Boston, second at World Champs, fourth in New York. Uh, I mean, she's just she's just someone you can never count out. Because even on a not great day, she's going to get top five, top three. Um, I mean, I, I think... Edna Kiplagat is probably the biggest challenger to Dababa just because of her history and her success in the marathon. And Dababa's only f finished three marathons before. Um, she dropped out of one, and, and that was the most recent one that she tried, uh, which I think... In London, in the heat, yeah. off a ridiculous pace. Right. Um, yeah, so it'll be a little different in Berlin. Uh, so aside from Toronto and Kiplagat... Uh, Others to watch, uh, I'm going to butcher this name, but Aselefich Mergia. Um, she is going to be a top woman, another sub-220 woman, and Rudy Aga. Uh, I believe she was second last year. Yep. Yes, she was second last yep. year in Berlin, and she was third the year before that. So, Steve, I think one of the questions as to whether or not Dubaba will have challengers and you can answer who those challengers might be as a part of answering this question. One of the questions is, will she go for a world record? And w which world record might she go for? Because we've got two. In the case of the women's, we've got the open record, which Paula Radcliffe holds, two 215. And then we've got the 
the women's only world record, which is 217 low. Will she go for a world record? And will that affect potentially how the field plays out for her? So I think she goes for the women's only world record. I don't think that she goes for... Well, it's hard to say what she's going for until we hear them at the press conference and what they say. But I don't I don't think that we're going to see her chase 215. I think we'll see her chase 217 low, maybe even 216 high, and get herself like a great golfer in position in position <laughs> and ready to putt right for the next for the next big race and also to maximize paydays because that's what these things are all about she'll get a big payday for that women's only and she probably has some kind of cushioning in her contract that gives her those so um unless she's got a great day rolling i think that we see her um shoot for 217 low to 16 high in terms of competitors you know, Chirono is just, she's always there and she's always picking up pieces. She's a baller. And she is. She likes to run, she likes to compete well in races where people go out really fast and they fail. And so she's a really big challenge here to the kind of race that I think we're going to see from Dababa and makes it, a, makes it very interesting because she likes to pick the pieces up and run people down. The addition of Edna Kiplagat, though, I mean, anybody who watched her at Boston in 2017... I was one of the most masterful performances I've ever seen in a marathon in terms of just decimating a field over the most difficult portion of the field. I remember that, Chris, when we watched that. Um, it, was, it was like what Karui did to, to, to Galen. She did even more dramatically and, and, and just crushed, absolutely crushed the fields through she the went, Newton Hills. She went earlier. Yeah. yeah, that's true. And she just stayed away and just crushed. It was just amazing how she did that. And um, and I and to think I remember that she was 36 at that point. I think she's 38 now. But I don't really think of that as a real negative. She seems to be one of these ageless wonders who's able to run major marathon after major marathon, compete at the highest level, and show up present and correct with her head on straight. Um, so this is I don't think that people will beat Dababa, but I do think this is, there is a much more interesting and intriguing way that this race plays out. Um, and there is a question mark with Dababa, in my opinion, about needing a win after London and the way she performed at London, needing a win. And so does she somewhere along the line back off a little bit when she feels the presence of these two absolute champions on her shoulder, knowing that they have more experience, they know how to win late in big races. Um, when Dababa won in Chicago, she got away early and stayed away for a long time and nobody could run with her. Um, so... I do think that there will be a little bit of that playing out. Um, I don't think Mergia or any of the other other competitors will really play in. We know Edna Kiplagat's going to find the finish line, period. If she ran in Boston and she finished Boston and got eighth place, this woman's not going to DNF. I think she's also a consummate businesswoman who's looking at paydays and knowing that a finish that a start line and a finish line are both big paydays. So I think that you're going to f see her compete at the highest levels. I think that Dababa is much more precarious in her positioning at the number one position than um, than uh, than Ilya Kipchoge is. So it makes a lot of interesting storylines, Chris. Do yeah. they do? How does this play out? And will Edna, who likes to be aggressive? Toronto doesn't like to be aggressive, but Edna likes to be in the aggressive. Kiplagat loves to be aggressive. So will she be aggressive early and try to push the pace, or will she just hang with the pacers and what Dababa decides to set? 
to me, that's a key question because Ber- and Berlin is pitching this as their fastest women's field ever. If you look at it on paper, it is. You've got five women under 220. Three of those women, though, including Toronto, haven't run under 220 since 2015. So it's been three years for Toronto. It's been six years for Kiplagat and for Merja. The other sub-220 woman we haven't mentioned yet is this woman named Yabergal Melise who ran 219 at Dubai earlier this year, which we know <laughs> sort of always gets a little asterisk next to it. Now, she did run another marathon in May and ran a 227, <laughs> ironically. So so I don't see this as deep a field as perhaps is being pitched. And if you look at Toronto and Kiplagat, who both run the 219s, amazing champions, amazing PRs, but those PRs are dated. And I don't know that either of them can hang with Dababa if she goes out in 217 pace. I think it would be actually a bad move if they did. So I do think the dynamics at play that we'll find out in the press conferences and usually the race releases this information of, will there be a couple different pace groups for those lead women? Is Dababa going to have her own pacers and then perhaps they'll have another pace group somewhere around the 219-220 range for these other women? If that's if that's playing out, how does that affect the tactics? Or is Dubaba going to ask for a 220 pace as well and just try to run away from them late? So those are some questions that we just don't have the answers to that will affect how this plays out. I tend to think that you're right, Steve, which is that Dubaba is going to want that 217.01 at least. If the weather's good, I think she's capable of that. Her, her PR is 217 and change already. I think she'll go out by herself perhaps with these Pacers, and I think she'll stay away. So I'm picking Dababa to win. And the other two, Kiplagat and Toronto, are interesting players in the podium game, I think, but I don't think they can hang with the raw speed and the quote-unquote PR ability of Dababa. Now, there is an athlete we haven't talked a lot about, Ruti Aga. She finished second last year. Her PR is in the 220s. I think she has a chance to make some waves in this one. She ran 106 at Houston earlier this year to win the Houston half, which is a damn fast half marathon. She's showing that she's progressing in this marathon game, and I think she could be somebody who would mix it up with Toronto and Kiplagat for the podium. Yeah, she, she's interesting. She's also almost 10 years younger or more than 10 years younger than all yep. those other women that we just mentioned. Yes, so she has age on her side. So Aga's the one that I think is going to be the spoiler perhaps for Toronto or for Kiplagat in terms of being on the podium. So make your picks. You want me to start? I'll Heck start. Yeah, I'll start. start. I'll you start. always so I already said that. I'll start. I'll start with – so I've got Dababa for the win. I'm going with Aga for second again, which is what she ran last year or how she finished last year in Berlin. And then I'm going to pick the venerable Edna Kiplagat for third – because I think she's a gamer that will not be denied. By the way, she'll become the first, when she finishes Berlin, she'll become the first elite female to run all six marathon majors. She's also, by the way, the world major defending champion, having that year that you referenced last year across the major marathons. So Kit Plagat squeezing on the podium for third. What do you have, Steve? So I think um, I'm picking Dababa for the win. I think, Kiplagat, I don't think she's going to run away, though. I don't think Kiplagat's going to let her get away. 
I'm not sure if Toronto will either. And I do think that the, I, I definitely think that Aga is somebody we need to be paying a very close attention to. Um, I, I just, I don't know how, I don't know how you pick against Edna Kiplagat given how she runs when she knows what she wants. And so I think that both these two ladies, I think all four of those ladies and the rest of the field will go with Debaba, which creates a great challenge for Aga. That can she hold that over the entire race distance with running royalty with her? And so I pick Kiplagat for a second. I got Debaba first, Kiplagat for second. Um, and I'm going to go, I do think that I'm going to go with Aga for, for third because I don't think that somebody's got to give in that group. And even though Toronto likes to pick up the pieces, if there's not pieces to pick up, I don't think that she'll have what she needs. And stand those two women shoulder to shoulder, Toronto and Kiplagat. And I think Kiplagat's going to have the will to get it done. Um, and then does Toronto break? I think she breaks late and then there's pieces out there. So um, we got the same podium, but we have different order, Chris, of, of two All and right. three. So Interesting. JoJo, what do you got? Uh, I think Dababa wins. Uh, I don't think it's going to be a 217 race. I think it's going to be a 218, maybe even a 219 race. Uh, because I think, you know, part of the focus is going to be on finishing the thing and not going out that hard. And, you know, we will learn a little bit more about that once the press conference comes. And, uh, you know, if they give any information about how fast they're going to go. But I don't really see her breaking away early and running by herself uh i think she's going to stick with the pack more and wait till the second half uh and latter half of the race to make the move and i feel like on paper it should be Debaba kiplagat toronto um steve like you were saying someone always gives you know that it's not whoever you think it should be on paper it never actually ends up that way so part of me wants to pick aga for third but i also want to pick differently so i am gonna <laughs> go with <laughs> the people on paper debaba kiplagat and Toronto. all right there you go so she's jojo's the only one with Toronto on the podium defending champion getting it done perhaps there for third one interesting note here is that if you look at the last eight women's champions at berlin they've alternated between Ethiopia and Kenya, uh, basically every year over the last eight years. Toronto won last year, the Kenyan athlete. So if Dababa does get, in fact, get the win like we're predicting, we'll be flipping back per the pattern to <laughs> Ethiopia. And on the men's side, it's been all Kenya. Basically, all the last eight men's champions have been Kenyan athletes. So. So this is an East African game we're playing. We do have to mention a couple of, at least one Japanese athlete on the women's side, Mitsuki Matsuda, who she's running 222. She doesn't have the resume that these other women do, but I think if, if shit hits the fan and perhaps the, the early pace, everybody goes with it and it's too hot and everybody's blowing the hell up, you might have a Japanese athlete squeezing on the podium late, possibly, because we know how tough they are, having watched Yuki in Boston this year. 
So I did want to mention that as a potential wild card there, depending on how things play out. All right. We have our picks. Any final comments on what you guys expect to see on Sunday? Steve? Um, I don't expect to see me up at <laughs> 2 a.m. or 1 a.m. Um, the only way I... Uh, get up is if I don't go down. So um, that will be the <laughs> way. Straight, if I just stay up. Watching the replays? Uh, well, yeah, just don't even go to bed. Just stay up and then sleep in. I don't know. Um, although I do think, uh, I wish there was some kind of alarm that they could set world record in effect. <laughs> buzz, buzz, wake up. Get up and say that you saw it. Live and, and it. Yes. Um, I'll probably have my computer right by the bedside, though. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> It is surprising to me that uh, Kip Legat would be the first woman, elite woman, to run all the majors. Yeah. Why Why don't more women do that? Or more men. I mean, I, I think, I don't, she, think, a man, I don't think a man elite. has done it either. Yeah, oh, okay. so first elite. That was surprising to me when I yeah. heard that. Yeah, I think a lot of it comes down to paydays. And, and for whatever reason, a race like Tokyo doesn't always get these athletes cycling through because well, they're always bunched up right so they're you've got three races you got these two happening a month apart really three races in the fall a month apart and in the spring the others are a month, basically a month apart so it takes to get to all of them it takes six years right i mean that's just kind of the short quick table t napkin math on it and who's been around for that long long enough for to make that happen um I do think Kipchoge is somebody who we will see do all of them as well because the paydays for him will be... I just would love to see Kipchoge at Boston. Once he gets the world record, he can yes. start swinging And if by that the, happens, the if, he gets that, if he gets that world record, I mean, the only other thing that he... I, I truly think if he gets that world record, the only other thing that he'll do is try to win at each of the majors, which will be super interesting because that'll give him some time and then get another gold medal at the Olympics and... I mean, at that point, it's mic drop. It's over. I mean, it's already <laughs> over, but it's like he, he'll just be done, done, completely done, done. We will all just bow at the feet <laughs> of the great Kipchoge. I, I mean, with the Olympics being in Tokyo, that I would think maybe more people eventually will get to do all the majors because there's more motivation to go over there. Yeah, of course. Remember, though, that timing will I mean, be different. Course will be different. Yeah. There's all those other things that happen. We always think, okay, you're going to go to that race and it's going to be the same. Think about the... what. When they did Houston, right? We're gonna. They did Houston. Announced it for the Olympic trials, and then people ran Houston. It's like, well, you're not running that course because you're running a completely different course. And the same thing for LA. It's like, why even go out to LA? You're gonna run a completely stupid race. I mean, <laughs> anyway, I, I don't even get me started we about the I'm sorry. I'll we shut digress up. again. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> anyway. Who's the lead, who leads the, the digressions? <laughs> anyway. Leader of digressions should be I on will, my resume. I will actually be in europe on sundays so i might be able to actually catch this because if i was here in the states i would definitely be sleeping in yeah are you going to be in berlin no no slovenia I'll be somewhere in the actually, slovenian alps i don't even know <laughs> if i'll be able to watch it but i will try now let's wrap it thank you jojo for joining us she did awesome she did thanks for having me excellent she did job. Do awesome this is fun. fun and we will as i said link to your jordan to say interviews in the show notes, so check out JoJo. Follow her on Twitter at JoJo underscore Shea, S-H-E-A. And we'll see where you go with your freelance world, and maybe we'll have you back on. Until next time, everybody, you can check us out at roguerunning.com or follow us on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook at Rogue Running. We'll talk to you soon. <laughs>